Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, a look at what's coming up this week on Full Measure, and we will examine a Texas law that tried to take on big tech censorship, but for the moment has gotten slapped down by an unusual coalition at the Supreme Court. This Sunday, June 5th, is our last program of the season on Full Measure. I'm happy to announce that after this season seven, we will be back in the fall for season eight. And the program this week is one of our favorites with viewers, it seems our roundtable episode, where I'm going to take a look back at some of our most impactful reporting from the past year. Scott Thuman and Lisa Fletcher, two of our intrepid correspondents, will join me and talk about some of our worldwide travels, the controversies we took on and shed light on, the off-narrative fact-based reporting that you've come to appreciate that seems to be so hard to find sometimes. Over the years, we've been around the world on full measure. We've gone to Russia, Korea, Singapore, the Philippines, the United Kingdom, Ukraine, reporting on movements and stories that so many don't seem to want to tackle. The illegal immigration crisis, not just at home, but in Greece and beyond. I was on the boat with the Greek Coast Guard as they were pulling up hundreds of illegal border crossers in the sea every night on a schedule as black market human traffickers in Turkey exploited these poor people put them on overloaded, dangerous, flimsy rafts, and then just push them out into the sea from places like Afghanistan, North Africa, Iraq, and more. I also reported on the culture clashes this trend in Europe has created, the explosion in terrorism in Germany by some of those very refugees that then caused Germany to do a reversal of its open arm policies. I reported on Brexit when so many people said it would never happen, the people would never approve it. Well, they did. And then when so many people said, well, if there was a chance to have a second vote, they wouldn't approve it again, but they did. And then when people predicted when it actually happened, the whole world would fall apart, it didn't. And the reporting that we did on this matter turned out to be much more spot on and accurate than what you were hearing probably from a lot of other media. But this season, we've been to places like the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico, the Arctic, Canada, the Mideast, and beyond. Soon, we're going to be heading out to more destinations as I start researching and shooting stories for the fall. A lot of important stories at home here as we move into the midterm elections. So we're going to continue our focus on domestic issues in the mainland U.S., like critical race theory. We did that the past year. We looked at the George Soros-funded prosecutors to separate myth from fact. We exposed and explored soft-on-crime tactics, whether that was really 
responsible for the crime surge that we're seeing across the country. We even asked the question, is there really a crime surge or is it just sort of a figment of conservative imaginations? We reported these stories in a fair way with some surprising interviews and results. I exposed the overcounting of COVID deaths as reported by some medical examiners who were outraged by the practices that they saw, such as the murder-suicide counted as COVID deaths, and the living people who weren't dead at all counted as COVID deaths. And then what may be our most popular story from this past season in terms of, well, certainly how many people viewed it after it aired on TV when it was online, on our unadvertised YouTube channel, it's got millions of views, it's the Amish approach to COVID. No drugs, no vaccines, no isolation, no masks, no hospitalizations, and the surprising results that actually helped them make more money staying open after COVID broke out than they'd ever made as a community before. So I hope you'll be watching this Sunday as we revisit some of these stories. I think you'll find it pretty interesting, not just for the ones that you missed, but even for the ones that you saw to look back and remember what we reported. Today in this podcast, I want to take a look at a Supreme Court decision that revealed some unusual alliances among the justices. It starts with Texas trying to take on big tech censorship, but finding it's not so easy. Now, here's a summary. I'm reading from an article on CNBC. It says the Supreme Court blocked a controversial Texas social media law from taking effect after the tech industry and other opponents warned it would allow for hateful content to run rampant online. The legislation, says this article, would prohibit online platforms like Facebook and Twitter from moderating or removing content based on viewpoint. Now, this is me talking, not the article, but obviously Texas legislators were looking to try to stop the one-sided big tech censorship, the passing on of disinformation by big tech, while claiming other information that's actually true or matters of an opinion are disinformation and censoring that. They're trying to figure out a way to stop that. Well, a lower court, going back to the CNBC article, a lower court initially blocked this law, but an appeals court allowed it to move forward as it deliberates on the broader case. Well, now, thanks to the Supreme Court, the law is temporarily blocked from taking effect while the case works its way through the court. The decision, says CNBC, did not rule on the merits of the law, but it reimposes an injunction blocking it from taking effect while the federal courts decide whether it can be enforced. And it says the Supreme Court is likely to be asked to take a look at the constitutionality of the law in the future. Me talking again here, there are issues of constitutional rights and First Amendment and so on of the big tech companies. So while one side is arguing the people who don't like big tech censorship, that their free speech rights are being infringed upon, the big tech firms are actually arguing that if the government tells them what they have to do or cannot do, that their free speech rights are being infringed upon. Back to the article, five justices on the court voted to block the law for now. Justice Samuel Alito issued a written dissent from this decision. So he was against blocking the law for now, and he was joined by two other conservative justices, Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch. But this is what's so interesting. Justice Elena Kagan, a liberal, sided with those conservative justices and had wanted the law to remain in effect while the challenge is pending. So they're on one side. They were on the side that did not win. 
The law prohibits online platforms from moderating or removing content based on viewpoint. It stems from a common charge on the right. This is me making a comment here. It's not just a charge on the right, but it is common on the right. That major California-based social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter are biased in their moderation strategies and disproportionately quiet conservative voices. The platforms have said they apply their community guidelines evenly and right-leaning users often rank among the highest in engagement. Okay, my comment on that, this is not just a left-right dispute, although it's often portrayed that way. There's a great deal of corporate pharmaceutical control over information that bleeds over between right and left. Yes, there is the right-left division, and clearly uh, people on the right have been censored more heavily than people on the left. And there are a lot of people who think neither should be censored. We'll talk about that in just a moment. You know, while, while some are arguing, you should censor them more because you're censoring us, I think that's the wrong argument to make. I think they should be censoring everything less except that which is illegal. Anyway, that's a summary, but there is more to it, as I've alluded to. So for a bit of analysis, we hear from someone who's a lot more expert on this than I am. He's Anopam Chander, a professor of law and technology at Georgetown Law. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Texas says an internet platform is just like the pho- telephone. The telephone company can't say, oh, you're, you know, you're saying this or that, and therefore we're going to disconnect your, your dial tone. Um, the internet companies say, no, we're not like the telephone companies just at all. A carrier. Yeah, we're, we're not a common carrier. We are, in fact, We've always very much curated what is allowed on our systems. Um, and so the history of, of these internet uh, bulletin board systems, you know, long time ago before uh, there was the World Wide Web and there was just an internet, there were bulletin board systems that people would use. And even these were often curated. Uh, and there were lots of disputes that would arise as to what was allowed to be said or not on these bulletin boards. I know there will be developments in this case, but can you give the simple explanation as to the Texas law and where we stand with that today? Sure. So Texas passed a law that essentially said that internet platforms, large internet platforms, are essentially common carriers. They have to carry all the speech that's legal, anything that's legal, largely. Uh, And they can't discriminate against... um, speech that, for example, is hate speech or, or what they define as hate speech, et cetera, right? It sounds uh, good on its surface to me, right, but right. it's maybe so, not that simple. It's So the problem with that is that these companies are all private actors, and you're essentially telling a private actor that you have to carry this, this material. Um, and so really, at this point, we want to be cautious about the government telling any company 
this is what you must carry. And this has been an issue for uh, uh, Republicans as well as Democrats. We don't want the government, whichever government it is, saying what you must or, or m- cannot carry. And so I think that's the, that's the, uh, difficulty in this, in this context. We don't want the government to, uh, to compel private actors to allow everything to be said, um, even if it's legal. Why? Because these companies themselves are, have free speech rights. And so they have the right to say, we're not going to say this because we think this is, you know, so for example, vaccine disinformation is a, a common feature of this. A lot of people say, you know, well, you can, if you take this particular drug, it'll stop COVID or COVID is not a problem, uh, et cetera. And the companies don't want to be carrying vaccine disinformation or say, for example, bullying speech, which isn't illegal. They say, we don't want to be carrying this kind of bullying speech. And so all the time they are removing speech that they believe is going to be harmful to society. You may dis- one may disagree with their particular choices, but the fact is that there are multiple options out there. So if you don't like uh, Facebook, you can go to Discord. If you don't like Discord, you can go to Parler. If you don't like Parler, you can go to Gab, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Is there any um, impact on this idea? Because the Supreme Court has now said that law cannot be enforced, right, currently? Yes. What if the companies get government benefits or take from the government? Does that put them in a different position where the government has the right? And don't all the companies get something, either tax benefit or have some connection from the government? So the kinds of uh, of laws that are related to the government saying, we'll only give you this money if you, if, if you are saying this or not saying this, are pretty narrowly focused. Um, and they're about money that the government is providing. And these internet companies, as far as I know, are not being federally subsidized in any way um, by, by money grants. Uh, so, you know, through the tax system, yes, every, every company has, you know, its tax write-offs and things like that uh, for investments, et cetera. The internet companies haven't received money in the same way that some private actors have received, say, universities, et cetera. Um, and so they aren't getting subsidized in the same way. Uh, what's, so, yeah. What's your view on members of Congress that have written, called, and lobbied technical companies or big tech firms to make certain decisions? Is that an interference that makes you uncomfortable or you think that's all right? It's a good question. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, so I do think it's fine to ask companies, what are your practices? And to try to get more, uh, to, to try to, to try to, uh, get more transparency. I do think that is sensible. And I do think at times, for example, we haven't heard from, co- from companies like Telegram, which are a huge, uh, source of uh, organizing out there today. Uh, so I don't think it's wrong for the government, uh, for the House of Representatives or the Senate to say, uh, to call in Mr. Zuckerberg to come testify before Congress and s- explain to us what's happening. I think those kinds of uh, moments are important and useful. And I think the companies. Uh, should show up and 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 tell us what they're doing and be subjected to 
even some criticism, uh, you know, that they aren't doing enough to make sure that people aren't having bad body image or, um, or that, you know, there's vaccine disinformation that's readily available or something along those lines. Along the continuum of what will be, I mean, we're still pretty early in, in terms of social media invention. I mean, it could be said, because you and I remember a time not that long ago when this was all such a novelty. But what do you predict for the near-term future? Are we at a changing point where things will look, you think, dramatically different in just a couple of years? Or is it just a slow sort of evolution? What, what are your predictions on that? Well, I don't, it's very hard to predict the internet. It's very hard to know how things uh, change. Um, when MySpace was big, everyone thought MySpace was going to be the future of the internet. When AOL seemed unbeatable, when uh, I grew up in a time when AOL would send us CDs in the, uh, you know, bi-weekly in the mail, hoping that mm -hmm. we would log in. Uh, so, Things change very quickly on the internet, and we may soon be, you know, engaging with the internet, which is all around us. Um, and so, our the internet of the future is going to be not through screens as much as through the objects that we are uh, interacting with. Uh, and so, it will feel very different. We'll be talking and listening much more. Uh, and so, the choices. I think it is going to be a place where we will have choice. Um, and so there are choices. So if you saw recently the, uh, the, uh, uh killer in uh, Texas, uh, used a social media platform called Yubo. Uh, and that has apparently a very popular platform among younger people, a platform I had never heard of until after this event. Uh, and that platform is based in France, it turns out. Uh, and so there are lots and and my, my daughter uses social, another social media platform that, uh, I don't want to publicize, but, you know, but, uh, but, you know, which is, has become popular with students at her college. Uh, and so I think we're going to see a lot of diversity and choices, um, among what people are, what kind of media people are consuming. Um, and that does mean that everyone will be learning something different. That was Anupam Chander, Professor of Law and Technology at Georgetown Law. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you will leave a good review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. You can also check out my other podcast, The Cheryl Ackeson Podcast, and you can support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking the store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers with proceeds benefiting independent reporting causes. And I just put some new products up there for summer, some really fun beach towels that will definitely make a statement. So go to CherylAckeson.com and click the store tab. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. <laughs>